Thank you, John. I, my favorite piece of advice from you was uh, even uh -oh. on, <laughs> you said, even on the darkest of days, remind yourself, I did this to myself. I chose this path. <laughs> 100%. Uh, I will always get founders like complaining about stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No one's forcing you to do this, okay? Like, <laughs> you chose this. Thanks for, for being on the show. Hey, everybody. John Deshotsky here with another episode of Seed Stories. I'm here with my longtime friend, Lulu, the founder of Elix. So excited to have you on the show today. Honored to be here, John. So I want you to take us all the way back and give us a little bit of your story. How did you get into startups? Yeah, well, first off, I never thought I would start a company. I loved my corporate career and it was really my journey with my own menstrual and hormone health and dealing with all of these imbalances that led to launching Elix. I spent about a decade at the intersection of consumer healthcare and retail consulting. And about five years ago, um, I had just gotten promoted. I also got married and I thought, okay, now's the time. I'm going to go off birth control. I'm going to do all these like healthy, natural things. And when I went off the pill, I literally couldn't move my body once a month because my hormones were so out of whack. And that's when I learned that about 60% of women are actually prescribed hormonal birth control at a very young age to manage menstrual symptoms. And invariably, when we go off the pill, um, our bodies are just, you know, completely out of whack. And that combined with working 70, 80 hours a week, being totally open, over caffeinated, um, probably not <laughs> sleeping enough, um, led to a whole host of issues. Let's rewind even further. And how did you even come up with like, the fact that you could start a company? Like who, uh, who gave you that inspiration? You know, was it mom and dad? Was it like you went to business school? Like, you know, give us a, a clue into like where you even decided that you could, if there was a problem, you could, you could solve it by building a company. Yeah, great question, John. Uh, I guess going way back, my parents immigrated to the US from China um, a little over 30 years ago. And they actually had um, a business where they were um, doing executive and leadership development um, for Chinese government and state-owned enterprises and connecting them with American educational institutions. And their hope was through their work, they could foster more global um, conversations, collaboration, and better international relations, essentially. And so I think I really got from my parents this idea that business could be a force for good. You can make money and you can do good in the world at the same time. But I also saw how much they worked. <laughs> you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no uh, I'm going to log off now when it's your own business. And so I think that's why early on I had ingrained in my head, oh, I just want, you know, the corporate life. I, I want something where I could go to work and then have my life and have the two be separate. But when I had my own health journey, that's when I realized like, oh shit, there's a huge problem here with women's health and access to holistic and natural solutions here in the US. And my personal background, my grandfather ran a hospital in Southern China in Hunan, and it's actually the hospital I was born with. So when I was dealing mm. with all these health issues, 
I found my way back to Chinese herbal medicine, and I was shocked at how quickly herbal remedies were effective at rebalancing my hormones, lowering inflammation, and getting to the root cause of all of these chronic pain symptoms. And, you know, we've seen kind of the rise of the opioid epidemic and all of these issues with chronic care and chronic pain, especially in our healthcare system. I thought, wouldn't it be great to figure out a way to personalize Chinese herbal medicine at scale, uh, source clean, effective ingredients, put it through clinical trial and testing so that we know how and why it works, and then really offer a natural side effect-free solution to, you know, the 80 million women who are dealing with menstrual and hormone health challenges. I love the image of watching your parents grind it out and you being like, I want that. <laughs> um, like, it just, it says so much about you and, and having been your friend here for, for the last couple of years and watch you you build Elix, um, you know, they, they definitely trained you, right? Um, one, one thing that I um, always ask, you know, female founders, especially given the difficulty of the, the environment um, for fundraising and building companies, just, you know, unfortunately, systematically far more difficult. Um, who, who are you inspired by other than your, than your parents, uh, you know, looking out prior to starting Elix? Like what, what did you look, who did you look to for inspiration? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I kind of go back to your original question. I, I had this idea of how the future could be, but to your point, I didn't actually have people in my life. Um, and I didn't see people who looked like me, um, first-generation immigrants. I actually went back to business school, and I incubated the idea for Elix at Wharton. And it was really um, actually my intro to entrepreneurship professor, Ethan Mollick, wrote one of our first checks. And he offered, uh, he was actually the one who encouraged me. He's like, you know, there's really a business here. It's a huge market. There's a way you could build a really awesome subscription um, business. You know, you should go for it full time. And at the time, I was like, go for it full time. Like, you know, how am I going to pay for my own living? He's like, well, you should raise money. It's like, raise money. How do I do that? And mm. so he was really one of the first people who brought in, um, who introduced me to angel investors and the Wharton, um, we were part of a VIPX accelerator at Wharton, and we actually were a finalist in one of the startup competitions. Uh, it was actually pretty funny. It was like, you know, this, like, all these, like, AI, deep tech companies, fintech companies, and, and then it was, like, us, a uh, consumer company focused on women. What was health. the name of the company at that time, too? <laughs> Yeah, the name of the company, since we were in beta, the name of the company at the time was hashtag period pain free. Love it. It's a, it's also like very clearly people know what they're getting when they buy the product, right? Yes. Um, uh, but it, yeah. it didn't necessarily convey um, all that we hope to be as a brand right. and a community. So we ultimately ended up rebranding to Elix, which stands for the combination of Elixir and Helix. So this idea mm. of an ancient healing remedy meets modern science and personalized for the individual. So let's let's go back to those accelerator days and those sort of like early, you know, hashtag period pain free days. Um, how did you sort of pass the hat around and sort of get the company off the ground? Like, what did that initial team look like? Uh, I guess paint a picture for, 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 for the, the listeners. Yeah, well, so 
early on, it was really important that we brought in um, technical expertise um, who is skilled in Chinese herbal medicine. And so when I was actually dealing with my health issues, my grandfather connected me with Dr. Sha Hongshen, who's one of the most prominent Chinese medicine practitioners in China. He's written over 100 books, 40, or 100 papers, 45 books on Chinese herbal medicine and food as thy medicine, and he specializes in women's health. So he was our initial medical advisor. And, you know, we, we looked at over 200 clinical studies on herbal medicine for hormone health. And what we saw was that when herbal remedies are personalized for primary dysmenorrhea, which is menstrual um, pain, there's an 87 to 100% efficacy and the results hold up three months post-treatment. And so it was really important for us to figure out, okay, how do we personalize at scale? What are the questions that we would ask in our online health assessment? What are the patterns that it would lead to? How, we, how would we actually um, score the assessments? And then what are the corresponding um, herbal remedies? And so Dr. Shaw was critical. And then I also teamed up with a college friend, Dr. Nicole Glaith, who worked on a lot of the R&D here. Um, and then fast forward, you know, today we're now a team of almost 20 um, with a medical advisory board that's a blend of East meets West practitioners. So we have OBGYNs, nutritionists, dietitians, along with Chinese medicine practitioners, um, because that holistic approach has always been something that's really important. How did you, coming out of Warden and, and getting your co-founder, you know, you, you sort of like did a pass the hat around you know, funding round? Like what was the sort of initial, I guess it would say friends and family, what did that even look like? And how did you, how did you get people on board at that time? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was really hard because at that time we were pre-product and um, so there were questions about around efficacy. There were questions around, um, you know, would people actually take, or would women actually take a 50 to 60 question online health assessment? And, um, you know, a lot of I think menstrual health is still stigmatized in that a lot of women aren't comfortable talking about our symptoms at work. And so a lot of people don't know the severity of menstrual symptoms. It's not just like PMS, but there's reports that show 20 to 30% of women miss at least a day of work or school every single month due to the debilitating pain. And so our initial round, um, we had uh, a lot of momentum coming out of the VIPX accelerator at Wharton and being a finalist in the startup competition. We met a lot of um, our earliest investors um, that way. And, and then we really got going on our beta. Um, so not only did we um, create an MVP version of our online health assessment at periodpainfree.com, but we also <laughs> um, were able to get um, some of the formulas up and going. And you know we did a private beta with friends and family and we saw great results on our formulas. And then we launched a public beta and in 2019 and we had over 2000 strangers from the internet complete our health mm. assessment and what we saw is on a 50 to 60 question health assessment uh, we had over an 80 percent completion rate and what mm. people said were was not only was she happy to answer the, 
the questions, and these were like really personal questions about the color of your menstrual blood, do you get menstrual clotting, your bowel movements, urine. So not only was she open to providing this data and answering these questions, but the process of answering these deeply personal um, and somewhat taboo questions about her health actually established trust and credibility. Um, mm -hmm. And we ended up serving, I think, over 500 um, clients uh, in beta, and we saw a 93% efficacy um, and just like incredible um, early retention and LTB. And so we basically use that data to finish raising that pre-seed round, um, which got us to launch. And part of our intention with the pre-seed was to really bring on board great humans who believed mm. in our mission and could be helpful. Uh, so we brought on board Helen Steed. She was the founding head of brand for Glossier. Um, Artem Marichin, who started a data analytics firm that sold to Nike, and he basically helped us um, look at how we track data on the back end and, you know, really um, how do we continue to focus on retention and customer lifetime value. And we also brought on board AJ Resnick, who um, led customer acquisition for PillPack and has been our CMO advisor um, since the early days. That's amazing. And, and I love the intention about who you went out to get on board and their consumer brand experience. I think you were, you were, you were, I remember you being very intentional about that. One of the things going back a little bit that I also remember is you had your shit together. It was like something I had never seen before in a early stage founder as uh, I was running Star City at that time, um, but I had also done a lot of angel checks. And like Lulu, you had your deck, you had a financial model, you had customer reviews, you had this health assessment, you had a data room, you had like, it was like I had never seen before. Um, I think you knew, you know, like candidly how difficult it was going to be for you to raise because again, Eastern medicine, female founder, you know, um, those, those sort of <laughs> periods, right? Um, odds are against you. And so, you know, for those that are listening that are kind of in that same boat, the thing that Lulu really excelled at was just really having her 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 stuff together and um, having a, a wide list, right? I think that that was really, really awesome. So, okay, you got capital in the door. Uh, it's pre-pandemic. Um, what was sort of your goals with that initial, you know, um, the slug of capital and sort of what, what did you want to set out to prove? <clears throat> Honestly, we didn't raise that much in the pre-seed. And so we were, we were thinking, okay, the pre-seed is going to fund a really extremely successful launch. And then post-launch, we would raise our seed. Uh, and yeah. we launched on March 8th, 2020, International Women's Day, um, the <laughs> weekend that Governor Cuomo announced a state of emergency in New York City. And our entire Yippee. launch, yes, the timing could not have been more perfect. Um, but, and our entire launch plan was based on in-person events and trust building activations because we saw in beta that we had a 30% conversion at in-person events because a lot of this was about starting conversations in the stigmatized area and building trust. 
Well, with the pandemic, we were able to host our launch event, but then we quickly had to scrap our entire um, like two, three months. Um, and, you know, we closed down our offices, moved everything into our apartments. My co-founder at the time was like shipping product out of her living room because we didn't know if the offices were safe and didn't want to subject our team to that. So, I mean, for us and like so many startups, the world turned upside down and we quickly had to, you know, scrap any fundraising plans because no one was writing checks in March and April of 2020. And we, and I think you and I connected at that point. Your advice was just to, you know, focus on what you can control. And the only thing we could control then was burn and managing our expenses. So within um, a one or two month period, we pretty much cut our, uh, monthly expenses by like 50, 60%, um, extended our runway. And, uh, and then actually 2020 ended up being a really great year for us. Uh, once I remember we- this. Yeah. You, you definitely turned a corner, right sized the operation and, and then things started to take off. Yeah. We started leaning into how do we build community activated love online? Um, and how do we, you know, amplify the, um, education and the love that was coming from our ambassadors, such as acupuncturists, holistic health practitioners, dietitians. These people were looking for alternative revenue sources, and they were really passionate about what we were building because they saw it work for them firsthand. Uh, and so we ended up growing 1,200% in our first year. I think you always had a really clear vision of what your customer looked like and what sort of what she, you know, um, what she would look like before elix and after so in that year where things were in hyper growth how did you continue to really take care of and nurture the the customer and make sure that you know she felt like you were there for her yeah um our vision has always been how do we become our trusted friend and advisor from our first period to our last hot flash and everything in between a lot of the people we're serving in our community have shared with us how she's gone to see you know, five, 10, sometimes 20 different doctors and specialists and has been told that the pain is all in her head or that, you know, she should just take a couple of painkillers and call it a day. So quite frankly, like dismissed. And Mm -hmm. so we've always wanted to create a safe space where she can come and ask those questions and get that support. Uh, So early on in the pandemic, we started doing small Zoom events with our community centered around different topics. And we started creating um, resources to support those with chronic conditions such as endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, PMDD, and other conditions um, that could be the underlying root cause of her symptoms. But today in the healthcare system, you know, it takes about seven to 10 years to get diagnosed with something like Mm. endometriosis, which could cause heavy pain and bleeding. And the diagnosis is a surgery in and of itself. And even after you get diagnosed, there's limited solutions. Um, And so we've always tried to, you know, we've always spent time listening, talking to our community and um, figuring out what are the resources that would be most helpful and meeting her where she is. How did you test like early channels from a customer acquisition standpoint? Um, How did you measure all of that? Like I thought you're, I felt like like, you you always had a pretty like sharp mind, like I said, about like how to test those different channels and what was working and what wasn't. So like, how did you think about that and, and, and how did you measure it over time? Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of it was, um, 
in the er, in the very early days, it was all about having conversations um, and staying as connected to our community as possible. Um, so our the largest team or the first team we actually built out at Elix is our community experience team, um, because we see that you know on average um, in the e-commerce industry, um, people probably reach out. Let's say one to two times per every 10 orders. So there's a 10 to 20% like inquiries per order. Um, our inquiries per order is like well over um, one to one, meaning that we have five times more reach outs um, per order. And they're not transactional reach outs. Um, they're people reaching out with, you know, sharing with us her entire health journey um, and deeply mm. personal questions and looking for that support. And so we've always kind of tracked those inquiries and then asked basically how she found out about Elix. Um, and so we have like a pretty comprehensive dashboard that tracks all the different touch points. And then as we ran experiments, we would, we would look at both a um, first touch traffic perspective, but then we know that there's, um, Elix is quite a considered purchase because for our community members who are experiencing the most um, intense and volatile pain, she's likely tried almost everything on the market. Yeah, yeah. Disappointed. We actually had a community member once say to us, "Trying Elix is like texting an ex-boyfriend." We're like, really? What are you <laughs> and she's like, you know, it's like someone you fell in love with, you had high hopes for the future, and then they let you down, and it didn't work out, and you're opening yourself back up again, and that's. Yeah. Like you know, an intense emotion to allow yourself to potentially experience heartbreak again. But that's what it yeah. feels like for people living with chronic pain who are opening themselves up to the possibility of being able to heal themselves. And so we take that responsibility very seriously. And um, so we know, you know, there's probably traffic sources um, from a first touch basis. But then after she first hears about Elix or takes our health assessment, she'll likely want to do more research and more vetting on her own. So then we also track experiments from a last touch um, basis. And, 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 and we have, you know, a way on the back end of figuring out how things net out in between. Um, but tracking that journey and really understanding what are the questions she's asking each step of the way has been really critical. It's, it's really fascinating your specific niche because it is such an emotional and, you know, harrowing uh, product journey, <laughs> and, but also that can be flipped to such a positive. And so like, yes, you can have all these metrics. Yes, you can have all this analysis on CAC to LTV and, and ultimately you are running a business, but when there is so much emotion tied up in, in, a, in a product journey, um, it is so important to have the qualitative side of it, of talking to customers and hearing feedback, and then also like having the right like team and support platform yeah. to ensure that when things go wrong or when the product doesn't meet exactly what certain expectations are, they have a voice on the other line, they have somebody responding to their emails and that feels good. Um, so they can vent any frustrations that there that there are. Um, so I think you said 1200% growth, 1200% growth in the first year, you're like, I think we should probably raise some more capital, right? So walk me through how you put together the seed round in your mind. I know that we, we talked about it a bunch back then, but what were you thinking about as far as 
um, you know, building the deck first, putting your list together. What did that list look like? Um, give me a little bit of a clue into that. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, a lot of the folks um, in our seed round, we ended up reconnecting with people we had met in the pre-seed. And that was actually great advice that you had given me um, is really think about um, fundraising as building relationships, um, similarly to how we would think about recruitment and or building the team. They are a critical part of the team. Uh, a part of the team, it's really difficult to fire. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> no, we genuinely love all the humans we have on the cap table. And we're very lucky to be in the position um, that we have really amazing humans who have been really helpful on the journey. And that was essentially our biggest intention going into um, the seed round is, you know, having conversations with smart people who can inspire us to think differently um, and or see a new perspective of how we're building, what we're building, um, challenge us in all the productive ways, um, and ultimately believe in the mission and can be helpful. And so uh, we ended up expanding the list uh, from the pre-seed and um, really start off with intro chats. Uh, of course, had a deck. When it comes to menstrual health, there's a lot of questions about the size of the market. And when it comes to Chinese medicine, a lot of questions around science and efficacy. So a lot of education throughout. Um, I don't think this is the type of product where um, some an investor has likely seen, you know, 10 or 20 iterations and can make mm -hmm. a quick decision. Really good. And I do remember you had an extensive list that was very thought out, just like everything else you've done with your company. Lulu had a, you know, multi-tab, uh, you know, sort of organized down to sort of like tier of investor with fit to Elix to who the intro source was going to be from and then where they were at on the funnel that all rolled up to a uh, like a shiny, you know, sort of analysis. And I just, again, I remember that we really had your stuff together. Um, you know, what was the headline? What was sort of the end result um, of that raise? And then I always ask founders, what does the next 12 months look like? And what does the next 10 years look like? Yep. Uh, so we closed on 2.7 million to date. And um, the next 12 months, we're really excited. A lot of that funding is going into product R&D, building the team and continuing um, to scale our growth. So we recently kicked off our first clinical trial. Um, it's underway. Mm -hmm. we'll, yeah, yeah. So we're the first in our space of personalized herbal medicine um, to run a um, IRB approved clinical trial. And it's really the first of several trials uh, we'll be running because we believe it's really important to not only bring to market clean um, ingredients, but to show how and why they work from a clinical perspective. And um, in terms of the team, you know, we just brought on board our 11th full-time member, and we're really excited to activate a lot of new channels, partnerships, continue to meet her where she is. And from a product perspective, we really think about our product in terms of both our online health assessment and our physical product, our herbal tinctures. And in terms of the online health assessment, we just crossed a huge milestone of 150,000 health assessment completes. Wow, that is crazy. Uh, I mean, and, and the level of uh, 
data that that provides you with on just such, such a personal you know product and experience it's it's fascinating um 10 years from now lulu when you're ringing the bell on nasdaq what will what will elix have achieved uh and what are sort of some of the other areas you want to get into yeah i mean we're reimagining the future of chronic care we are empowering her to become her own best healer and, you know, I, I think about the role that herbal medicine has played in the ancient days in China. You know, you would go to see a doctor to keep you healthy and well. Healthcare was about staying healthy. And so if you got sick, you actually stopped paying your doctor because they weren't doing their job. And you think mm. about a modern healthcare system today, it's more about treatment of acute issues and it's more reactive. And Elix imagines a future where healthcare can be can go back to self-healing and empowerment and play the role of keeping people well in their lives. I mean, that is a beautiful thing to end on. And I believe in you. I've been watching you fight from day one with a smile on your face and uh it's just been a joy to watch you work and build this uh brand and this company and i think the future is so bright for you lulu and thanks for coming on seed stories thank you john I, my favorite piece of advice from you was uh even uh -oh. on <laughs> you said even on the darkest of days remind yourself i did this to myself i chose this path 100 <laughs> percent uh, I will always get founders like complaining about stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No one's forcing you to do this. Okay. Like <laughs> you chose this, but um, again, thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. And it was really awesome to have you. Thank you.